either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. In this lesson, I'd like to go over words and expressions you can use when you discuss movies with other people. I know everybody loves movies. I love movies. I'm sure you love movies. And there's lots of words that have to do with movies that you might not be familiar with, but they're very good to know if you want to talk about movies with your friends or whoever. No way. Yes way, Ted! Oh, yeah. Is there anybody else here who hasn't killed a zombie? We all know the basics. Zombies, shamblers, the undead, whatever you want to call them. When it comes to killing them, it's all about the brain. If one comes at you, shoot it in the brain. It's that simple. Any questions? Two million dollars if it pans out. Hundred percent, I'm in. Yeah. You don't want to know, you know, the risks, or why would I want to know the risks? Listo para volar mientras mi gente espera Espigas Que voy yo sembrando para ver si germinan Viento del norte pensamiento What started as an escapist zombie heist movie set in Las Vegas eventually devolves into a rote action movie. Its few fun but superficial surprises quickly washed away in favor of embracing the bleakness popular in the post-Walking Dead era of zombie stories. So you have a zombie movie for me? So I was talking about this game, Ryland, on the chat feed. Uh, do you remember this game? Yeah, I do. I, the, okay, the good. See, Ryland yeah. remembers. Like a fun thing that you would do throughout the shift. Okay, so you remember the in and outdoors, the main in and outdoors. Yeah. In between them was like a little tile column, right? And way up high, like, like you have to look up, there's this little tiny whiteboard, a way to tell the specials for the day. I came on board and Ryland, it's, it's fucking crazy. Like I would literally like just write superhero movies and then underline it and then walk away. And then I'd come back like half an hour later and it just caught on like wildfire. I guess it was already rolling by the time Ryland came in. Like that was just a thing that happened in the rest of the <laughs> Actually, I started the real shit like while working. Really? Yeah, it's that old. It was founded in 2012, December of 2012, I remember. Jeez. And I remember the, the very beginning of it was just like trivia. I just, I brought that, that game, that whiteboard game on line. On. And I've been doing the brackets for five years. I'm like, maybe I just have this compulsion to just want to engage people in movie trivia. <laughs> like what a specific thing to want to do.
Fast 9 comes out in three weeks, it's going to come in, do a billion dollars. This is going to be the savior. Everything's going to be back. <laughs> 9 really just tanks it. What if it was the same situation, but it was Star Wars Episode 1? Holy crap. I mean, I can't imagine. Well, you know what? Episode 1 was okay. It was Episode 2 that was complete trash, so. I disagree. I Really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think Pack of the Clones is the best of the prequel trilogy. Like even with the like the creepy love story and like I hate Man. sand. Man, but everything around that is so <laughs> incredibly epic. <laughs> Are y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spitting the Real Shit. Uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. This is our 41st episode ever, and this week, we jump on the hype train and discuss the newest creation from divisive director Zack Snyder, the 2021 Netflix action horror flick, Army of the Dead. Uh, we talk guts, gore, and the subtext therein, as well as divulge our top three zombie kills and discuss new releases and old memories. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson. Founder, administrator, and bracket master of the real shit. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and fellow administrator, the midnight movie maniac himself, Ryland Johnson. What's going on, man? Old Snidey's losing his touch, I'm telling you. What's up, guys? <laughs> and sitting down with us this week is actually a mutual friend of myself and Ryland, a founding member, and my own personal manic pixie dream girl, Nicole Highness. Uh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much for sitting down with us. Ryland, uh, Nicole, and myself, we work together in the restaurant business. We were in the shit together. <laughs> hey there, ladies. Annie's busy, so I thought I'd bring your food out for you. But I still have some salad left. Oh, uh, well, would you like me to take the food back and bring it out in a few minutes? Yeah, and let it dry out under the heat lamps. Just give me the food. Wait, did that waitress listen to a word I said? This steak is medium rare. I asked for it medium, and I wanted extra gravy on my mashed potatoes. Let me ask you something. How hard is your job? How intelligent do you have to be to take a food order? Jesus! Ma'am, ma'am, you're absolutely right, and uh, I apologize. I'm gonna get this fixed for you right away. Good. Now I can finish my salad. Uh, we, we worked at a very, 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 very busy restaurant, and it was always packed, and we never understood why. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was just this old building. Actually, I wanted to get Nicole on the show and give her props. So me and Nicole would go way back, probably by 2005, I think. So I was looking for work, and I was like, hey, girl, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm working over here. And I was like, can you get me a job? And she's like, sure. She We're got like, me hell on. yeah. And then Ryland came in as a transfer from a different location. He was our floor manager. I came over to, to this beast of a restaurant everybody warned me about. They were like, hey, you're going to go work Fort Worth? <laughs> Good luck. I was there for like less than a year. If you've ever seen the movie Waiting, this this was our Chotskys. Like we were we were a tough veteran crew that didn't put up with shit. It was it was fun. We went through some shit, but working with you guys was, was awesome. So it just kind of created a dialogue between me and Ryland that just never ended. So you can thank Nicole for that, Ryland. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Well, actually, uh, we're doing the bracket. I know you're a veteran of the bracket, Nicole. Yes, I am. Uh, and, and it kind of originated with the restaurant work that we did. You were there, Ryland. Nicole was there. I would do these things where I would just create subjects for movies, like Harrison Ford non-Indiana Jones films. Quizzy stuff. Yeah. And then I'd come back like a few minutes later and people would be looking at it and like engaging with it. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. And so I just kind of kept doing it. And then I realized that I took that spirit and put it into the bracket yeah absolutely and, uh, you were a founding member so you were there from the beginning like you just saw me just trying to throw anything out there. yeah i mean and, and it was quizzes and stuff at first i mean i've personally been really impressed seeing how it's grown over the years the first few brackets you know they would have 20 votes or something like this and now there's 80 something comments on the last thing and it's just it's really neat to see that growth in the beginning, it was everybody that I knew. Like, like it was just my mm -hmm. friends. Like, being like, oh, Charlie's doing another little movie game. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and they would just kind of come over and be like, oh, I want to play the movie game. All right. We have a tie. <laughs> Luckily, I have prepared for such an event. <laughs> the lightning round. <laughs> 30 seconds. All the questions you can answer. Guys are dead. I am so good at lightning rounds. <laughs> I majored in lightning rounds. All right, we're gonna destroy you. Yeah. And then it started becoming like other people who didn't know me from Adam. They would just start playing. It was the bracket, so it was always in a vacuum, always moving forward. Kind of got on the train, and they were just like, "Okay, cool." Every day, we just kind of do this, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then to that, for that to become this, and for this to become the podcast. That's what I love about movies. It can be a common denominator for people to talk or, or open up. But there's very few people in the world that are like, I don't watch movies or I don't like. <laughs> yeah. You can talk to somebody about movies and, and spark some interest somehow, some way. Her sister was a witch, right? And what was her sister? A princess. The wicked witch of the East, bro. <laughs> That's what I loved about getting to know Charlie and, and those fun games, how it can bring a restaurant together of people just, like I said, I'd be in there arguing with people about, you know, clear and present danger is an okay Harrison Ford non-indie movie, but, you know, I like Fugitive better, you know, whatever, but. It's just so cool to have you on. It's very nostalgic. Uh, let's talk about the bracket. Let's talk about current events, the buddy cop bracket. So I think it's really fun. You know, I haven't seen some of the older flicks on there. My personal favorite is gonna be Hot Fuzz. Excuse me. What? When's your birthday? 22nd of February. What year? Every year. Get out. Hey! When's your birthday? Uh, 8th of May, 1969. You're 37. Yeah. Get out. When's your birthday? Uh... Out! That's just a classic quotable movie for me, but I think Bad Boys is an obvious winner. Ooh. It's actually live as we are talking tonight, absolutely murdering its competition. Yeah, you know, Long Kiss Goodnight is really great. It's, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, just classic. So one thing that I've noticed about the brackets in the past is that the voters seem to go with their generation. I mean, I think that you saw that, especially with the stoner bracket, yeah. with Half-Baked winning over Up in Smoke. So I think that Bad Boys is just gonna be in our generational wheelhouse, and I, I don't think that anything else on the bracket really stands a chance against it. Hey, freeze, bitch! You freeze, bitch! Oh, shit. I'm fucked. Now back up, put the gun down, and give me a pack of Tropical Fruit Bubblicious. 
and some Skittles. I prefer Long Kiss Goodnight to Bad Boys. Uh, oh yeah, me too. But I know that Bad Boys is a better movie. I don't know if it's a better movie, but it, I think it's a better buddy cop movie for sure. I appreciate everyone's view going into this bracket because there's been huge arguments on this seven thread. Only in a world this shitty. Could you even try to say these were innocent people and keep a straight face? But that's the point. We see a deadly sin on every street corner, in every home, and we tolerate it. We tolerate it because it's common. It's, it's trivial. We tolerate it morning, noon, and night. Well, not anymore. This is a buddy pop movie bracket. If Lethal Weapon doesn't go up against bad boys, then we're not doing a good job here, you know, like. I think people are gonna vote with their heart. I think they always do. Just what their yeah. personal favorite is. Seven is a, it's a phenomenal movie, but it certainly doesn't make you feel good, so. Uh, Lethal Weapon has been the feedback we've been getting for the last three guests, but I would go with Hot Fuzz too. I think just cause it's homage doesn't mean that it's not the best buddy cop movie. It could have been. Oh, it's yeah. so fun. But it's up against training day. Like I don't think it even stands a chance in the first round, to be honest with you. It can't be like this. It is this way, man. I'm sorry I exposed you to it, but it is. It's ugly, but it's necessary. I became a cop to put away drug dealers, the poisoners, the criminals, not to be one. You sound just like me. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. You're scared. I'm not scared. Yes, you are. You're terrified. Everybody goes through that the first time I went through it. The sooner you can match what's in your head with what's going on in the real world, better you're gonna feel in this business you gotta have a little dirt on you for anybody to trust you like does it fit better is it a better movie are there more moments do you judge it you know by the sum of its parts it's just so fascinating that people are looking at it this way did you play the pixar bracket i played parts of it the final came down to toy story and wally and wally took it so the more modern movie is taking the crown on the last two brackets. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't have any doubt it'll be that case again. I'm excited to see who wins. But also, currently, besides bracket and group talk, we have industry news. We had a great trailer drop for the mm -hmm. brand new M. Night Shyamalan film. I never thought I'd be so excited to say that again <laughs> uh, for the movie Old. No kids allowed on the beach? What? I'm not true. Oh, no. Oh, no. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Do you believe I found this online? Well, I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa. Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. Ready or not, here we come! What happened to her mom? I don't know. What happened to her? body has decomposed. How quickly can that happen? Seven years. But she just died. Wait, where are the kids? Trent! Kara! Come here! Hey, have you seen my children? Mom? I'm, I'm right here.
Why are you looking at me like that? What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom. Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! 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 I'm scared! We have to get off this beach! People are blacking out going this way. If she makes it to the ledge, she might have a chance. Why is she stopping? Why is she stopping? Kara, wake up! Wake up! They have to know what this place does. I don't know! You're lying! Look! What is that? A message. We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. We're connected to something bigger. Oh, no. We're here for a reason. I was excited for you, Charlie, when I saw a totally mysterious one-minute trailer. I was like, oh, he's at home just clapping. He's <laughs> loving it. It's so mysterious. I don't get what's going on, but that's what I love about him. He's always throwing out some curveballs. It looks like yeah. a fun little flick. And, you know, the over-under is just such a huge margin. Uh, you know, yeah. like it, it could be an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Or a complete waste of your time. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. Well, apparently, honeybees are disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them just disappearing. There's no bodies, no sign of them. They're just mysteriously gone. This is scary, huh? All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Well, I watched the trailer. It was really creepy. Right. And then I went back and watched a bunch of other M. Night trailers just to like kind of see what I would have thought. And it was all over the place. I mean, you know, The Village was like a completely different movie. It did not resemble the actual movie at all. The Happening, same. Like, it was like, is this the same movie? That's what I love about him is he will put some stuff out there that is it's his style. He loves these twists and turns, this mysterious style. And some of them are really good. And then some of them are weird, but some people still love them because, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's so much pressure into everything he puts out. And it's been that way since the get go because he's so hot right now. That Hansel, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that Hansel's so hot right now. Sixth Sense just blew everybody away. It, it's so hard to stay at that level. But I just love that he's out there and he's doing these creepy, weird movies that are mm -hmm. his style and takes chances with these things. And we'll see. But what's your favorite M. Night movie? I've got to know. Nicole? The Sixth Sense was just, it just blew everybody away. I can't believe it. Bruce Willis is a ghost. I'm just, I'm shocked. Did you see that coming? No, not a clue. Doctor's help. Anyway, it was awesome. It was so surprising. It has such rewatchability, even with a big twist, which like most movies, like if you've seen Gone Girl, like you know what's going to happen. You can watch it maybe one more time to see what the foreshadowing was, but I feel like that movie has rewatchability in a way that most movies that have a surprise ending don't. I love Signs, but The Sixth Sense just crushes for me. I absolutely, hands down, loved The Village. Do not fret. You are fearless in a way that I shall never know. It took like three viewings, but on that third one, I was like, bam, masterpiece. 
absolute masterpiece. Like, you can get petty with whatever explanations you want, but the story is solid. It suffers that that curse of the, the Shyamalan curse yeah. of, like, the story leaking. And so then you hear about it, like which is the entire crux of the whole greatness of the film. If you go in knowing that that's the thing, you're just looking at it like stupid. What idiots. Big ass eye roll. These performances, like uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, you really believe oh, yes. this village is being overrun by these creatures. And I just think it gets such a bad rap. I made a decision of the heart. I cannot look into another's eyes and see the same look I see in August without justification. It is too painful. I cannot bear it. You have jeopardized everything we've made. Who do you think will continue this place, this life? Do you plan to live forever? What about you, Ryland? What's your favorite M. Night movie? I think his best work is Sixth Sense. His like style really is unbreakable and then split after that. I mean, I love the way he took the storyline of like a real life superhero. I just watched the other day, like a week ago, and I hadn't seen it in so long. It's such a slow burn, but it's just so good. And, and Bruce Willis in that role and Samuel, they just play off each other so well. It's really well done. You're right. If you pull that trigger, that bullet is just going to bounce off me and I'm not going to be hurt. But then I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to pack, and I'm going to leave for New York. Because I thought we were just starting to be friends for real. And friends listen to each other. They don't, and they don't shoot each other, do they, Audrey? No shooting friends, Joseph. Joseph! You are about to be in big trouble! Now, I am your father, and I am telling you to put that goddamn gun down right now! One! Two! It intrigues it me the most because of the story. The original story is pretty sweet. You know, he wrote the whole thing, and it's all him, and this is all out of his mind, pretty much. I don't, I don't think he ever has some ghostwriter writing these movies for him, right? He was a screenwriter before he was a director. He knows how to write a movie, yeah. I mean, I gotta give science props for some of the best jump scares that I've had in, like, the past 20 years, too. Like, the scene where Joaquin Phoenix is in the closet, and he's watching the newsreel, and it's the birthday party in Brazil. When that alien walks through the background. I lost my mind just like Joaquin Phoenix did in that freaking closet. I like jumped. I was like, what just happened? A lot of props to that movie just for being able to like startle me again. Signs seem so realistic to me. It sucks you in. It feels like you're really there. It, I remember that. Yeah, it, it definitely puts you in that character's point of view, and, and it scared the shit out of me, too. So fun story about Signs, real quick. I remember the first time I watched it, it was a blockbuster rental. The only TV that had a DVD player at the time was in the big room in, in my parents' house. My parents were real light sleepers. So if I wanted to watch something after they went to bed, it had to be like at a low volume. And I remember putting this in because I know I wanted to see the new Shyamalan film. I was listening to it at such a low volume the entire time. I was like right up to the TV. And so here comes that part where the news story comes in. And I am locked in. Like I am so engaged in this movie. And then it happened. I knew what me reacting would cause. And so I had to bring it down to just a... Nice. You know, like, <laughs> like, 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 that's all I could react. Like, side, I was like, oh my God. 
Yeah, I like yeah. fell over. I could see Charlie sitting there like Indian style, just watching the two. Yeah, because that's Shyamalan right there. But he's coming back, man. He's putting out good projects. I think The Visit was really good. Split was fantastic. Yeah, and now we got Old coming up and see how that's like. Theaters this summer. What did you guys take from this? What do you think's happening here? I saw a lot of funny comments when I watched it on YouTube and I saw the comments. People are like, it's the sand, it's the sand that's doing it. My major question from the trailer was like, that's my daughter. She was six years old a couple days ago and then she's got like a baby inside her. So, what, like, I got a lot of questions about that. But the footage I'm seeing, I guess the story, like the family coming in and then the other characters, it looks like it's being written exactly like a Shyamalan film, like Lady in the Water style. Like you just have groups of people, you know, cliques of people, yeah. you know, and that's very Shyamalan. Uh, beyond that, guys, let's talk some zombies. We're, we're talking about right. zombies the rest of this episode, guys, which means we're going to do our game. You want to play a game with us, Nicole? I want to play a game. We're bringing back the old top three this week, guys. Back on episode seven of this show, Matt Teeter, Rylan and I did our top three zombie flicks. But this time, we're going to do the top three zombie kills. And it goes either way on this list, whether it's a zombie killing a human or a human killing a zombie, whichever is your favorite. Nicole? As our guest, I would love to hear what your top three zombie kills are. So I had to separate mine out. I couldn't just do a top three. So I did a most satisfying, craziest, and then just personal fan favorite. So my most satisfying or most deserved, I went 28 Days Later, the film that I first saw Fast Zombies in. I know it wasn't the first film to have Fast Zombies, but it was the first film I saw Fast Zombies in. Major West, he is killed by his own infected soldier. I just thought it was really satisfying when he gets pulled out of the back of the cab and eaten alive by this infected soldier. And I just found that extremely satisfying. And that was a grainy film, too. Like, it just seemed, like, super low budget. And it just kind of has that, like, deteriorated feel to it, especially in that scene. It's at night. It's rainy. It's creepy. 28 Days Later still creeps me out. And it's just because of what you just said. The feel of it. Ugh, it seems so realistic and terrifying to me. The first uh, movie that I saw Cillian Murphy in, too. And he's just powerhouse. Uh, mine was Red Eye, of all things. When the plane lands, the ride begins. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Red Eye, rated PG-13, starts Friday, August 19th. That was like um, an airplane flick, right, with Jodie Foster? Uh, No, it was uh, Rachel McAdams. Was it? Yes. Okay. Uh, McAdams and Murphy in an airplane. I mean, it sells itself. What's great? <laughs> mm-hmm. I highly recommend Red Eye. What's that movie where Jodie Foster's inside of, uh, oh, Safe Room? Safe Room, is that? Uh, it's Panic Room. Flight Plan, she is on an airplane. Critics are calling Flight Plan a highly entertaining, heart-stopping thriller. Where's Julia? Jodie Foster rocks. Why would anyone want to take your daughter? Fasten your seatbelts and hang on for a first-rate action thriller. I'm going to find my daughter flight plan rated pg-13 <laughs> my brain can't con- <laughs> it can't contain it all okay 
So next was uh, the craziest, and I think that this is probably going to come up in some other people's top three, but it has to be the scene from Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, the lawnmower scene. And the main character just comes in with this modified lawnmower and just chops a, a bajillion zombies, and there is so much gore and so much blood, and it is so insane to watch and, and entertaining. Party's over. And I read that that movie is still actually banned in Germany, South Korea, and Singapore. They used almost 300 liters of fake blood, which is a lot. And that's a Peter Jackson film. It shows you what a really good director can do with, with a small budget, as opposed to the film we're going to talk about later on today. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 it, it just shows how people can spend their money wisely and may, still make a good film, you know? But there's so many memorable moments. You know, the I kick ass, mm-hmm. the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Your mother ate dog. my dog. Yes, yes. If you haven't seen Dead Alive, I highly recommend it. Give me the DVD then. <laughs> exactly. Which I understand is really hard to find nowadays. You gotta start burning copies. Like that copy of The Room that you made me. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Talk about a movie that you show to anyone you can. I've made so many people watch that movie. A lot of mixed reviews, but some people become fans like the rest of us. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. (laughs) You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Every movie fan should watch it just for that line alone. Oh, it is so good. I ended up reading the book, The Disaster Artist, after the Disaster Artist movie came out. It just gives you such a beautiful look into this (laughs) this psycho's mind. And not to mention, he got James Franco a Golden Globe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! First person I have to thank is the man himself, Tommy Wiseau. Come on up here, Tommy. 19 years ago. (laughs) 19 years ago, he was stuck in traffic from the Golden Globes, he said to his best friend Greg, Golden Globes, so what? I'm not invited. I know they don't want me, guy with accent, long hair, so I show them. I don't wait for Hollywood, I make my own movie. Like, that's in the history books. Forever. Tommy Wiseau will be infamous now. Well, I mean, really, the kookiness is like part of the artistry. What exactly was he thinking about when he wrote it? I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. (laughs) I can't wait to splice room audio into this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I just love how they're always throwing a football around, too. What are you, a chicken? Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> just, like, it's out there, man. It's uh, we so should have made there. this episode about the room. I'll just and, say, and, we, we've got to do a room episode now. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't recreate that movie, no matter how hard you try. Oh, it's like Samurai Cop. People are like, you couldn't make this fucking movie if you tried. There's just yeah. no... <laughs> what happened? Like, and why did you think this was the best version of this thing? Hello. Hi. How is he? Do you think he'd be able to answer a few questions? No way, his lips are burned. So what, he'll never be able to talk again? 
Oh, he'll talk again, but you just have to give him a couple of weeks. Next time, guys, catch him in one piece. Thanks, nurse. But the final movie on your top three, Nicole. Okay, all right. So uh, a personal favorite, and it's not particularly gory. It's not particularly bloody, but it's just my personal favorite. I would probably say that this is my favorite zombie movie, but it's from Shaun of the Dead. And I had trouble picking between the two that I was thinking, but I'm going to go with the initial zombie killing scene in the back garden. Oh, my God. She's so drunk. <laughs> oh, trivia, Rob. Oh, I think she likes you. I think she wants a cuddle. And then they start throwing the records. What about Sade? And then they end up just busting into the shed. And they, the rhythm that they go into is just so creepy. And they're out of breath. And he's got red on him. And um, mm. I just absolutely love that scene. And I love that movie. It's such a great take, like, because before that, there was no real satirical look at how somebody processes a zombie apocalypse, except for just sheer terror. So to see that oddball look of somebody who's just not with it. The push where she lands on the pipe and she's just got a hole in her and then they just go back inside. Now, seriously, uh, uh, Mary, I'm, I'm warning you, OK, I'm going to have to get physical. I mean it. This is it. I'm going to fuck off. I did want to do honorable mention for the opening of Dawn of the Dead, the 2004 version. Just like as a nurse, you play the game where you're like, oh, you know, if there's a zombie apocalypse, what do you do? What, where are we going to meet? You know, who's going to do what? And as a nurse, I'm always like, well, I would be dead right away, man. Like I'd be at the hospital where all the sick people go. I mean, I'd get bitten in the first 24 hours, you know. I love the, the opening of Dawn of the Dead where, you know, she is so fast and she escapes her husband and she's not at work. And I mean, I think everybody had the reaction that Romney Malco from 40-Year-Old Virgin had watching that same scene. Oh, yeah. See that whole Teen Wolf thing you got going right there? You need to wax that right out. Boom. Does it hurt? No, waxing don't hurt. I mean, not unless you a bitch, you know what I mean? Didn't hurt me. I get it done all the time. What the fuck? Oh! Oh! <laughs> fuck that d up! Bitch, get out the room! 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 I don't want the apocalypse to happen while I'm at work. Man, but talk about a rude awakening with that scene. Literally <laughs> a rude awakening, yeah. It set the tone and it never let off the gas. Oh, it never let off. So, Ryland, yep. you want to go next or you want me to go next? Yeah, I'll knock mine out. Okay. I've got an honorable mention as well. I'm going to start with that. The 1985 Day of the Dead, the death of Captain Rowe. This ain't a goddamn field trip, people. This is a fucking war! I'm not down in this cave for my health. I'm down here on orders. Your orders are to facilitate the job of this scientific team. This is a civilian team, Captain, and we don't have to be subjected to your tyranny. Who's being subjected to what, Fisher? You've lost one man. We've lost five. It's just getting pulled apart man the practical effects are fucking awesome i remember seeing it as a kid and it just absolutely terrified me that's the way i don't want to go out you know you get pulled away by one and you know or you get attacked by the mob but this the way this guy goes out it's, it's so romero and so good yeah. so i've got to put that one in there as my honorable mention what about number three it's and i've, I've shared that one with nicole with the lawnmower at a dead alive i mean it's straight ridiculousness it's so funny too it's got humor in it 
Party's over. Peter Jackson. You never would have guessed him uh, directing such a good zombie flick, you know. Got to go with that one. Um, I will move on to the second, though. This is one of my favorites is the helicopter mulcher from 28 Weeks Later, the sequel, where the helicopter's like, yes. you know, weed whacking the entire field. I'm like, oh, if you like gore and viscera, that's yeah. just like, yes. So, you know, the kids hanging on the, the helicopter, too. So there's this different element of you get to see the gore. But at the same time, the kid's covered in blood and then he turns and it's just this uh-huh. epic, epic little scene. And the CGI is great. I think it's it's so well done. As, as the audience member, you're like that turtle in Finding Nemo. You're like, Roger. Wood chopper, something. We got to have something cool go on. Mm, yeah, wood chipper. No one's used. Yeah. Has anyone used that yet? That'd be a fun mashup. Fargo and, and zombies. Just don't you know, you know? Fargo. <laughs> Hold on. No fucking way. You fucking notice this? I got fucking shot. I got fucking shot in the face. I wouldn't got the fucking money. I got shot fucking picking it up. I've been there for 36 fucking hours. I'm taking that fucking car. That fuck is mine, you fucking asshole. You know, I've been listening to your fucking bullshit all week. Are we square? Are we square? My first, it may not be the most sexy or fun like zombie kill, but Return of the Living Dead was my introduction to zombies. The canister zombie was just, oh, it was so terrifying. Just that muddy, sticky look, but it was so well done too, the, the special effects. But his first kill of the punk guy grabs his top of his head. And you look at it now and it doesn't look good. <laughs> but as a kid in the 80s, oh my God, that terrified me. And it was probably my first introduction to kind of gory movie was uh, Return of the Living Dead. It's so well done. The soundtrack's awesome. The the feel of it's awesome. The ending's awesome. But also that connect that dude makes with that the baseball bat to kill that tar man. But as far as my top three goes, I do have an honorable mention. It's the 78 chopper chopping the top of the guy's head off in Dawn of the Dead. It was just so inventive. And even when you watch that scene, like you think they're in peril when the guy's coming off. <laughs> Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope, I'm dead. And you're like, that's neat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and it wasn't even like a zombie type of thing. It was more like a makeup type of thing. How did they do that? It's this little creep. Like, the guy's just filling up his helicopter with gas, and he can't hear this zombie creeping up on him. A great buildup. But number three, though, it's surprisingly, guys, I don't have Dead Alive anywhere on my top three. Oh, my gosh. I am shocked. I know. I know. Wow. Well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my number three is from the movie Army of Darkness. It's the moment where they're kind of treating him like a god after he killed the creatures in the pit. But then there's that last little zombie witch that shows up. She's hiding. She starts attacking like the guards inside the castle. It's just the one zombie. Bruce Campbell decides that you know he's going to go back into action, so he grabs his shotgun. And the kill that I'm that I'm talking about is of this zombie witch where he literally just puts the shotgun over his shoulder. He doesn't even see what he's doing. And then he, while he's bringing the, the shotgun back into ready position, he like does like a little shiver. Yo, she-bitch. Let's go.
If the Necronomicon fell into the hands of the Deadites, all mankind will be consumed by this evil. He's just such a badass, and he feels his badassness. It's not a shotgun. This is a boomstick. <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad that you brought that up because I did not even think to consider that movie, but it is an army of the dead. Uh, because it is such a gray area. People kind of go towards the Romero zombie or the 28 Days Later zombie. I don't put those in zombie land, really. That's weird. Yeah. But they're absolutely <laughs> zombies. They're dead people trying to kill you. Yeah. And it's the same with this fucking Seven argument. Evil Dead is a zombie film. Do the Deadites bites cause to become Deadites? Right. Because I think that's the key to zombieism is that it's spread in bites, right? Well, it's yeah. demon possession that makes the person kill themselves or die. And then as soon as they die, that's when the <laughs> demon takes control of the body. And so that's the difference. But they're still dead people. Yeah, okay. I mean, all right, man. I mean, you know what? It's 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 your world. We're just living in it, man. <laughs> That's werewolves. I, I know silver bullets are werewolves, but I'm sure silver has something to do with vampires. Well, does anybody have any silver? Okay, then who cares? Has anybody here read a real book about vampires, or are we just remembering what some movie said? I mean, a real book. You mean, you mean like a Time Life book? I take it the answer is no. Okay, then. But uh, but my number two, guys, is actually one that I'm not sure if everybody's seen. It's an anthology film called VHS. Has oh, everybody seen? yes. Uh, my, my selection actually comes from the sequel, uh, VHS 2. I've seen the original, so maybe I will have to see the sequel now. So you know how the VHS movie works. Like, it's just yeah. kind of a series of stories. VHS 2, it really focuses on more of, like, the mobile camera. Like, the GoPro, like, the dash cam. In this particular story, there's a guy that's a cyclist. And he has a GoPro on his helmet. Yes, 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 yes. I definitely saw this. He's just riding through the park one day, and it just happens to be the day of the zombie apocalypse. And so the, the great sequence is that you get to see this guy get bit, and then while the GoPro is still running, you just kind of hear him die, and then hear him transform. And all you're really seeing while he's dead is just kind of the sky and the trees and the clouds. But you're hearing like the zombie noises come out, and then he, he finally starts moving again, and then he's the zombie now. Honey, what, what are you doing? I think I heard a noise. What kind of noise? I don't know. It's like he said something. It's a great cathartic little experience, VHS 2. If you haven't seen it, guys, I highly recommend it. As a matter of fact, the whole series is really worth a watch. They really explain why the camera is in the room. But number one, I'm kind of offended, man, that you put this as your honorable mention, Ryland. The disembowelment of Captain Rhodes is number yeah. one, tippy top. And, 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 and... <laughs> she agrees. Speak for yourself, moron. But yeah, guys, the, the Rose disembowelment, like, the guy was a fucking dick cheese, like, the whole movie. And then just to see him know that he fucked up, and then now he's paying for it. On top of that, he's not even, like, regretting it. Come on! He's 
still just like talking shit to these zombies. Do you know the behind the scenes story of that scene? Story goes that they had scheduled the effect for like a Monday. They had the weekend off. They got all the pig intestines together and they put them in this cooler. But over the weekend, the electricity went out. And so all the pig intestines went bad over the weekend. Oh my God. But they couldn't procure any new ones. And so they just ran with those spoiled pig intestines. And so Ah. the whole crew was having to smell that. Oh, that's foul. That adds an extra element to that scene. Can you imagine you having to see that? I'd be a guy puking as an extra, you know, going, oh my God. And and you got to eat it. Those extras had to like. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like putting it in their mouths. Like, oh God. We found that out like the first day back, which is when we had to stage that effect. So there was no time to go buy fresh new, you know, guts. I mean, the, the stench was, we could smell it for, you know, from blocks away. And p- poor Joe Pilato had to be there, right there. So that's top three, guys. Uh, thank you so much for playing our little game with us. Nicole, it's always fun to, to divulge top threes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You are entirely welcome. And now, let us all go to my house for a little sponge cake and a little wine and, and shit. But we have one more movie to talk about before we leave here, guys. And that is the brand new Netflix Zack Snyder collabo, Army of the Dead. Mr. Ward, how would you like to make $50 million on a warm summer's evening? On a train bound for nowhere, met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. The boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces. Think about it. Everything we did, all those people we saved. The way they held their Look what it got us. You don't mind my but what if? I can see you're out of base. What if just once? We did something just for us. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. They're not what you think they are. They're smarter. They're faster. They're organized. What you can hope for is to die. You got Tiger. That's crossing the line. 
So the premise of this show, one of the things we always do is we let the guest pick the movie. We are curious why you picked Army of the Dead to talk about today. You text messaged me. It was kind of last minute, and we discussed, like, kind of briefly what was out. We were at the river. We were drinking all day, and I was with Mm -hmm. one of my friends who is one of my only friends who likes horror movies. Charlie, you're one. My friend Sue is the other one. And then I have a girl that I work with, Leslie. So like three people that I know in real life that I can Mm. talk about horror movies with. So she and I, after having some drinks we almost watched the the sequel to train to busan but neither of us thought that we could read subtitles at that point very well so we went with um army of the dead and i'm a huge zombie fan and i loved dawn of the dead from snyder in 2004 so big expectations one of my biggest takeaways first meeting you early on you put that flag in the ground i love zombies like you love all of them like even like flight of the dead what's the deal with the special cargo Top-level contractor shipment. Hey, yo, Tom. You're Peter's best friend. What if somebody sees us? It's not even really, like, the quality of the film. It's the fact that zombies are in it. It's Um, fun to me. And zombies are a great allegory for anything. It's a great man versus society type of genre. You can interchange zombies for anything. That's what I think Zack Snyder did with this film. But what do you guys think? We've talked before. We did that movie I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike. We reviewed that film, and we kind of mentioned the Netflix film. How it's it's kind of like an adjective nowadays when you're describing a film to where it's just kind of like super assembly line type of films. They're just trying to build their own library, but they don't have as big a budget as, say, like a Universal or a Disney And so the products that you get tend to come off just kind of low budget, but seem big budget in nature because it is on a streaming channel. Speaking of I Care A Lot, I mean, the two just phenomenal actors, not even two, like three, just amazing actors in that movie. But I was not um, impressed. Uh, Ryland is in the same camp. I'm the perfect demographic for a Snyder fanboy. You know, 300 was so cool. It's such a guy movie. Oh, yeah. it was, I love the style of it. You never really seen anything like that. Just something taken straight from the comic books, you know, pages. It was so cool. And then I was a huge Watchmen fan. It had so much hype and it. One of the best trailers of all time, in my opinion, with that Watchmen trailer. Watchmen. One of us died tonight. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. But Snyder, his power is fading with me. And this shows all his bad flaws. I know that he wrote this too. And it's stop writing, Snyder. Just stop it now. <laughs> well, I mean, this is his first project since Justice League. And also on top of that, it's his first project since the death of his wife. And so there's a lot there to unpack because Dave Bautista's character is a person that, that lost his wife. It's not the it's not the fact that you killed my mother. It's that you never showed up after, okay? You you weren't there, Scott. You didn't call, you didn't visit, you didn't talk about it. And then the effects that had on his family. You could see a lot of subtext there with, yeah. with Snyder's own vision because he did write. If that's the case, I just don't know why there was this like weird forced romantic scene. We done miss something because we're rich here. I here. didn't come here for the money, dumb shit. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll take the millions. But I came here for you. 
that scene was just so forced and uncomfortable for me. Why? What was the point of it? I didn't understand it. Closure, maybe? I mean, I guess, but closure for who? Like, as the audience, <laughs> yeah, there was like, nothing. Like, we don't know the Sam and Diane dynamic. Yeah, and so it was just like, look, we're going to throw this in here, and then she's going to die right away. Like, it just was so forced and almost boring to me, where I was like, oh, my gosh. I remember thinking that when I was drunk, and then when I rewatched it last night, I was like, oh, God, I have to watch this again. Thank you. I mean, we've got to talk about, to me, the biggest turn away when I first watched it. It's mm -hmm. two hours, 28 minutes. Oh, it was so long. Yeah, an hour too long, in my it opinion. Was, an hour, yes. you know, I got to one hour and a half, and I went, holy fuck, there's another hour left. Like, it just doesn't keep my interest. The plot is terrible. There was so much unneeded in this in this movie. They could have trimmed all this fat off of it. Let's make it an hour and 45. I know he can't make it. Yeah. 90 minute movie for the fucking life of him but um, <laughs> it was just way too much plot holes and shitty writing i'm sorry batista is not that guy he gets emotional or when he's trying to talk to his daughter about things it just i cannot believe what he's saying when you think about it everything we did all those people we saved look what it got us now what if of just once we did something just for us He's flat. That's why he's amazing yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy, because that character is flat. And it's so Actually. funny, but it's not funny. Oh. We're supposed to be empathetic towards him. I thought yeah. that Tig Notaro was the best cast. I loved her as oh, the yeah. sarcastic pilot. Hey, uh, has there been any thought given to triage? What do you mean? Well, I mean, obviously, the German is the most important person, because he can open the safe. But barring that, it's got to be me, right? Because without me, you can't fly the chopper out of here. So that would make me second most important. And I don't know if you two are tied for third or whatever, but I'm certainly more important than that guy. Sorry, I didn't know you were listening. I am way more, okay, I am definitely more important than that guy. She was added after the initial photography was, was done. So the original yeah. casting was with Chris Delia. Really? He got canceled, basically. A full year after shooting, there were serious allegations made against cast member Chris Delia regarding sexual harassment and the grooming of minors. Following the allegations, the Snyders and Netflix instantaneously decided to recast the role, with millions being put aside for the task of salvaging the character. And so they recast him, but they already shot footage with him. So if you have to go back and watch this a third time, which I, I really hope you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. You totally see that she is added in post. Like the wide shots of the whole crew, it's it, glaringly obvious. She but, was so funny, though. I mean, she was perfect, so. I thought she added a great uh, just level to it. But unfortunately, that's the only bit of real tongue-in-cheek. Should look at that. They should have nuked Vegas in the early 90s, but this is great. You know what? If you want to talk about a fun zombie kill, then Valentine, the zombie tiger, it just looked like garbage. But <laughs> when he killed Martin, it was pretty fun where he just crushes his head like a watermelon. I liked that part. It made me go, ooh. <laughs> you mean the guy who's working for the company? For... Uh-huh, yeah. I always think of him as the dad from Raising Hope. Bert Chance? Sure. Here we go! 
But that guy's range is so good. That guy's in 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Let's just start off with the beginning of the movie, guys. A group of soldiers who are uh, transporting this cargo. The soldiers, they're, they're mm-hmm. kind of speculating on what exactly is in the box. You know, what's in the box? What's in the box? Who's in the box? And the way the plot gets set in motion is there's this drunk couple, and the lady wants to get a little frisky while driving. And so that's going down. Starts veering, and the, the soldiers are all talking, and nobody's paying attention to nobody. And all of a sudden, it's just head-on collision with both cars. <laughs> yeah. Area 51, secret hangar, autopsy. All right, I'll say it. It's an alien. Oh, my God. And then just a huge explosion, which I've seen a head-on collision before, and that just doesn't happen. Very convenient that it took out a military convoy with a with like <laughs> yeah. a old Buick. There is like some shitty old Buick. I'm like, that just no, that just wouldn't happen. There's a whole other level of zombies, apparently, in this film. Which I love the idea behind that. I don't think that that's a poor idea. I think it was poorly executed. I mean, it just starts with his plot holes. These soldiers are running from this zombie, and then it just goes off track immediately. Yeah, payload is compromised. Looks like it's busted open in the middle of the highway. Stand by, horsemen. All right, listen carefully. Gather whoever can walk or move and get away from the payload immediately. Wait, what are you telling me to do? Shut the fuck up and listen to me. Get your men out of there, horsemen. If they can't move, leave them. Do you understand? Get away from that location now. Do you copy? The zombie king, or Zeus is what I guess he's called, when he jumps out, he looked like the Hulk. He was massive and he had this like crew cut. And then later in the movie, his hair's all grown out. <laughs> like, why was his hair cut? <laughs> and he's all textured too. Like, he's very veiny. And he's making some kind of reptilian mixture of a noise, you know, just while he's breathing. And you see that with all these alpha zombies. And I think that right off the bat, when you watch that first scene, like, you realize like the secret to a good Zack Snyder film. Is just a whole bunch of money. But if the money's not there, you definitely notice. There's a lot of like fading, like blurs that are mm. happening. But you also get that classic Zack Snyder folk ominous cover of this popular rock song. Are you ready, boys? A one, two, three, four. That I like. I like that. <laughs> that's, we, that's always a hit for me. The the Viva Las Vegas, the intro, the montage yeah. in the beginning is the best part. The parachute guy, I was like, oh, can you imagine being the guy with the snow No, parachute? Like, oh, so scary. Oh, fuck me. Like, why? <laughs> but the guy just like slowly falling to his death. I was like, yeah. that sucked for that guy. But yeah, the montage was amazing. And the music, then it gets into like, well, now we have to have a story about this guy's daughter and all this family aspect of it. And I'm like, no. There's that chick who's initially wearing her pearls and her white button down and she's blasting zombies and then she just becomes a total badass and she's blasting zombies all through the credits and then she gets crushed by the container and then no one talks about her ever again and we never know who the fuck she is like what 
Well, right, but I mean, at the same time, like, I've never been in combat before. I don't know what the dynamic is there. He talks about his wife with his daughter. There would be no, literally zero throwback to be like, oh, you know, remember Sergeant Julie? She was amazing. Like, oh, like, we're doing this for her. Nothing. Never spoken of again. I mean, on top of that, like, what's the deal with the barges in the first place? Why did it not spread any further? You figure in a regular zombie apocalypse, that would just encompass the entire world. To me, the fact that there's like a zombie horse and a zombie tiger, you're telling me there's not zombie rats that have just like gone out and like destroyed the rest of the United States. If animals can be turned, like humanity is done for, done for. It's a whole can of worms that they just never really addressed in the whole narrative. And then just the balls, you know, to just not explain it. Fuck you, that's why. Like, how dare you? How dare you, Zach? <laughs> and so beyond that, it, you kind of get this whole story about this. Is he a criminal? I'm not sure. I think he was a casino owner. I think he owned the Bly Casino. About to blow up the city and he wants to get his money out of there. Yeah, and he doesn't know the code to his own safe with 200 million in it. <laughs> I want you to put together a team and get it out. In exchange, 50 million is yours to divvy up amongst whomever you take him with you. Intrigued? Don't give me an answer. Think on it for the night. And like, why would you make a safe like that? Someone has to go in there sometimes. Right, like how do you add money to it, yeah. But after that, you kind of get this scene where they're assembling their crew. And you find out that Dave Bautista's character, he's a chef and he wants to further his chef career. But then you have the usual action movie trope of, uh, he's a chef by day. Uh, he, just, he just happens to be the most elite motherfucker in the entire universe. You're Black Tanaka, right? You want to see me? It's not every man who saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters, earns the Medal of Freedom, only to end up... Working at a burger joint. Mr. Tanaka, I'm well aware of my situation. And, and by the way, you're still staying fucking fit as a motherfucker. <laughs> monster lifting that way getting them gains man i wrote that note he's like he's talking to the casino owner and he's just flipping burgers and he's just jacked such a massive human being that's why he's so unbelievable in, in any type of role that he's just not kicking ass just do guardians of the galaxy it's fine it's okay to be in a box sometimes it worked out fine for michelle rodriguez just like be in a box that's okay <laughs> i just love it oh, i'm would, so curious but would you want to hang out with vin diesel all the time though <laughs> You know, you know when you put it that way, you have to spend an inordinate amount of time mm. with Vin Diesel. <laughs> Nine whole movies worth, man. Nine. Ooh, yeah. He's so creepy. Well, I've seen like a couple of interviews with him where it was like so, like I was physically cringing. And he, God, he's so beautiful. God, she's so beautiful. Man. <laughs> am I right or wrong? Look at her. How am I supposed to do this interview? Look at yeah. this woman. Where I was like, oh God, I can't imagine. Like she knows how to swat him away, yeah. Yeah, she just punches him as hard as she can and I'm sure it's fine. And he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's Vin pretty Diesel. good, that's pretty decent, man. Baby. But I, yeah, I, I thought Dave Bautista was a questionable casting choice. I mean, I think he's serviceable as an action star, but you want to add depth, you want to add that Snyder depth. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't have it. After they tap Bautista, we get the assembling the crew montage mm -hmm. where we meet Tignataro, uh, the pilot. We meet uh, Dieter. The man who designed this wonderful work of art, Hans Wagner. He named it 
the Goethe demo for the final chapter in his namesake Richard Wagner's epic opera, Der Ring des Nibelung. Like the way that they treated him, and he's like a six foot blonde, blue eyed, fit German guy. Even like he's like a weird little nerdy geek. It, I was like, what are y'all talking about? They kept calling him kid, and he's like in his 30s. You need like a Peter Parker character for this character, like a little nerdy 19-year-old, maybe 20-year-old actor. And then rounding out the crew, you have, of course, you know, the company man. You have the YouTube star and his crew. That was like one of the more fun shticks to me. Mikey Guzman. rings a bell. Check this out. Okay, what we can't is your boy Mikey Guzman taping line from East Las Vegas. We got a couple. I counted at least five, but let me double check. Hold Seven. We got seven Whoa, motherfucker! Not to the aliens chick with the red bandana. What's her name in Aliens, Charlie? Vasquez. Vasquez. Oh, yeah. Such a badass um, female character. I feel like that was a nod to that. You ever get mistaken for a man, Vasquez? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of being mistaken, I swear to God, the guy with the saw for like the first three quarters of this film, I would have told you it was Michael Jai White. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if being back in would be better or worse, guy. I can't figure that out, but... I guess there is a chance that it could be cathartic. But it's not. It's, it's like some younger dude. Man, he's he's in shape, too. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. Doing the movie or, or Michael J. White? Oh, both of those men. They're spinning images of each other. He, he has, like, something behind his eyes type of character. But that's the thing that suffers from this film, in my opinion, is that everybody has shit behind their eyes. Everybody's dealing with some shit that nobody wants to fucking talk about, and they just don't. So finally, they get to Vegas. They pretty much figure out the lay of the land. They figure out that this casino called the Olympus is kind of like ground zero for the alpha zombies. I think we should definitely address the sacrifice. Oh, the, the Sons of Anarchy guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's another subplot where that's where I thought Snyder was trying to go with this film. He was trying to make a commentary on the, the Trump era and COVID and all that kind of stuff. I got the same vibe. I mean, you had him being super creepy with the temperature check, and then you've got your coyote, and there's this refugee camp. And I thought he was trying to be political, but I just couldn't figure out what he was trying to say. Hey. Everything okay here, ladies? What, you, you don't have anything better to do? Okay. What did you say to me, volunteer? Shh, nothing, she didn't say anything. Is that right, volunteer? Kate, Kate. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Okay. What? Were you saying something to me? No, I didn't say anything. Is he just a conscientious observer in this whole thing? And that's how he's displaying it? If so, it seems really thick. You know, it seems like like you want to say something, but you're not really that educated on yeah. it. So... Like, temperature kinda... checks are bad. I don't know why, but mm. I don't like it. What is the deal? The daughter was terrible in this movie. I mean, I adore, like, the way that the actress looked. And I think I saw her, she was in Miss Peregrine's Home for Something Something Children yeah. or whatever. The eyes, right? I loved it, but the character didn't make any fucking sense. And every time she got opposition, she turned into that chick from Willy Wonka that wanted the fucking golden goose. I waited, Kate, as long as I could, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm coming with you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, we're not having this conversation. You're not coming. There are two kids whose mother is lost in there. Two kids that I help look out for. I have to find her. Well, tell us what she looks like. We'll look out for her. You're do not... you think I trust you to do Kate! that? Kate! You're not coming! I'm not asking you! 
I'm telling you what's gonna happen. And she'd stomp her feet and just huff and puff and me. And then Dave Bautista's like, Jesus Christ. Stupid little bitch. What is your fucking problem? I get it. That's your dad. We all have dad shit going on. <laughs> yeah. but, but like, why are you putting it on Front Street like so bad for this family that like we don't have no idea why you care so much? And you're right, Rylan. That's that's one of the biggest glaring plot holes is what's her motivation? Why is she fighting so hard? And she put everybody's lives at risk for this family. Like, why? If, if she's so important, tell us why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also they kind of split up at this point, too. The safe cracker has a couple of guys with him while he goes and does the safe. And then you also have Dave Bautista trying to turn the power back on. And they're also fixing up the helicopter. Right. And then Tignataro goes on her own to fuel and, and pre-flight the helicopter, which I wanted to note this since we worked in the restaurants i've gotten a job in aviation and so i deal with aircraft all the time and i gotta say off the bat the amount of fuel that they brought not nearly enough right not near enough (laughs) like she would have been out of gas like out of gas how's it going up there good i actually found a pool i'm working on my tan Gotta even this shit out, you know what I'm talking about? How's it going over there? Get the safe open yet? It's a little slower than we thought, but we're close. But then after they split up, it's just a series of action sequences where they get the safe open, they get the money, then the zombies break out, and then it's really Mm -hmm. just a race to get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. And so finally they get to the chopper. They ultimately get in and they get up. Like logic is just thrown out the window. They have nine minutes. Right. Oh, um, and we didn't even talk about the fact that the government moved the bombing. We got about nine minutes. God damn it. You son of a bitch, if we do this, you better find her, man. And so then they get everybody in the in the chopper. Chopper flies away. At the same time, the nuke is in the air. It lands. It goes boom. The blast hits the chopper. Chopper goes down. But then, miraculously, the daughter, she's just sitting there in like a half-fetal position, like nothing happened. Like you weren't just in a helicopter crash. She was trying to get this Gita lady back. She got her back, and then at the end, she just crashed and died. It didn't even care annoys the shit out of me batista ultimately dies and turns into a zombie has the usual zombie trope which back in the day was a badass trope well yeah in dawn of the dead 2004 when you have the people come in her dad is there and like they're so sad and she has to say bye to her dad and then she goes off you know right and they're standing there waiting and he says i want every single second that moment was poignant to me but this didn't do any of that for me well the same thing with uh walking dead I'm here now, Amy. I'm here. I love you. Like, it's so powerful, but now it's just so incredibly overused. They did it in Shaun of the Dead, too, with his mom. It gets kind of old, but that's kind of my beef with zombie films in general. It is formulaic, but a zombie fan enjoys the formulaic nature mm-hmm. of all that. You know, the, the transformations. They like the blood, the, the gore. Like, where are they going to bite them on their body this time? Um, and so for a zombie fan, you get everything you want with the gore um, and the fast-running zombies and then the alpha zombies that know kung fu, apparently. They know parkour, <laughs> particularly. <laughs> what the fuck? Baba Bowie. Oops, but... 
There's one more thing. We get old fake ass Michael J. White again. I was like looking online. I was like, how is this possible? So apparently there's one guy who survived like Hiroshima and lived to be 93. So I guess it's technically <laughs> possible, but like could he survive like the nuclear fallout plus the zombie bite for 12 hours? Like that's, you know, come on. Or is the zombie bite mixed with the nuclear hit the reason why he still thinks he's alive? It creates a nice little thing where, like, the conscious zombie. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? I wouldn't mind seeing that. Of course, the guy, he ends up walking with all this money. Like, you find out the money's still salvageable. Yeah. And he rents a plane. And then you find out on the plane that he's, he's like, really weak. And the last thing you see is him realizing that he was bit. Good evening, this is your captain speaking. We will be beginning our final descent into Mexico City. I'd like to ask you to please return to your seat and fasten your safety belt. The local time is 9.30 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. Thanks for flying with us. Fuck. Fuck is the last word of this movie. And Which, yeah, the last word we all say probably like fuck. But uh, we got to rate this thing, guys. Nicole, we usually do a, a ten star rating. Uh, what what mm-hmm. you think of the movie with ten stars? I would yeah. be curious to know what you think. So out of ten stars, I'm gonna go a four point eight. Yeah. Ooh. Because I, I can't do five, because I feel like five, with the, the extra hour added on, and it was just so long, and you're staring at the clock. 4.8, I'm going to go with that. What about you, Ryland? What would you give Army of the Dead? Uh, I would have been with Nicole and gave it a much better score than I'm about to give it, but I was so let down. You know, I was thinking Snyder with Dawn of the Dead, I just loved that one. You know, it had a heist, hyped up kind of feel with all the, you know, action and stuff infused into this zombie flick. This was one of the worst movies I'd seen in recent memory. It was too long. And, and um, we've watched Zondelay in the last year. Yeah, week. I'd watched Zondelay twice in a row before you made me watch this again, <laughs> <laughs> which is terrible. I'm going to give this, and, and this is the harshest score I've given by far. Nicole, don't take this personally, but I'm going to give it a 1.9. I'm going to give it just, if it was shorter and it had a little bit better script and the plot was just cleaned up, I'd probably give it a four and a half, five, like an average type movie. But yes. coming from Snyder, my guy, like I, I've lost faith in him. This was just god-awful. This is bad. I I wish it was so much better than it was. For me, who usually gives out sevens and eights. I don't think I could ever give anyone anything below a three. Hurts my heart because, like I said, I know he's capable of doing so much better. And it had great visuals and there was good things about it. There's so much outweighing the the pros and cons. So I thought of it pretty favorably. I mean, compared to you guys. I'm going to give this movie a 5.7. It is above average. It is serviceable for what it's trying to do. Uh, You do get the guts. You do get the gore. You get a lot of good character actors. Tig Notaro. I'd always heard the name and I'd I'd known her story about the cancer and all that. Uh But I never really heard any of her stand-up. So this is really my first experience. And I got to say it was favorable. And so, yeah, 5.7. It's still not very good in the Charlie world. I'm still willing to give Snyder a chance. Willing to see who wants to invest in Snyder again. Did he kill his career with Justice League? Is he destined to live in the world of Netflix for the rest of his career? Like, these questions kind of pop up. And then also with this movie... There's a lot of personal stuff, like Justice League type stuff that I kind of picked up on. If you kind of look at it a certain way, like, like let's say like, you know, the U.S. government is Warner Brothers. The D.C. franchise is Las Vegas. You bring in Dave Bautista's character to help salvage this place before it all goes up in flames. You know, there's a lot of allegory. And then on top of that, you know, you get that Justice League 
you know, excuse of they they pushed everything ahead a day. And so they they had even less time to get the movie together. And on top of that, you know, with the loss of his wife, there's allegory there. Uh, I thought that the, the company man holding the zombie lady's head was a total, like, allegory to... Warner Brothers using Zack Snyder's dead wife as a way to explain why Justice League wasn't very good. 1.9 now. You're making me feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Ryland. Think harder, man. <laughs> but again, it's, it's very thinly veiled stuff. If you just looked at it that way and you watched it again, you would just be like, oh shit, he's just bitching about Warner Brothers. Like, that's the zombie allegory here. If you were going to bitch about Warner Brothers and make a slap in the face, like, why wouldn't you make a good movie? movie <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like i said i'm a pretty big snyder fanboy his name will still hold weight but still it's it's just i mean he did come in and fix justice league and, and it was a lot better but man this is just such a step back if i can open it it will be either destruction or renewal death or rebirth that's heavy brother Dig it. Did you watch the Snyder Cut, Nicole? Oh, no. I could barely watch this movie. I can't hang with stuff that's that long. Physically, can't do it. <laughs> if a movie's over three hours, she's like, nah, nope, not gonna do it. There's a reason I've never seen Titanic, because I'm just, like, a hipster. I mean, got everything I need right here with me. Got air in my lungs and a few blank sheets of paper. I mean, I love waking up in the morning not knowing what's gonna happen or who I'm gonna meet, where I'm gonna wind up. Just the other night, I was sleeping under a bridge, and now here I am on the grandest ship in the world having champagne with you fine people. <laughs> and I'm always perplexed as to why. I mean, because you are in our age demographic. At that time, it was because I was a hipster, because, like, all the people, like, would all go see it. And I was like, mm, I'm too fucking cool to see that, man. Where's Boondock Saints at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you killed my... my... Your what? My... Your Bitch! Oh, I'll shoot myself in the head! You can tell me that cat's name! Go ahead! You're what? Your precious little skivvy, skivvy. Oh, Jesus! What color was it, bitch? But, uh, Nicole, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Anytime I'm in your space, you really gas me up to the fullest, and I'm forever grateful for that. So thank you for spending some time. I like Nicole. Like, she picked a movie we could actually like beat up on a little bit, you know. I mean, even her opinion of it wasn't great, so I was I was happy about that because I was like, God, I don't want to just be the negative. <laughs> we always, you know, this one was just a fun one to say, Hey, let's actually critique something pretty hard yeah, for once. Yeah. So. And if you guys don't invite me back for the room episode, I'm gonna just <laughs> Ooh, be upset. Just mark it down. Uh, but as far as our show, guys, next week. We are doing a documentary is our main focus. It's it's one that me and Ryland have both talked about wanting to watch, but never had the chance, and we're looking for the opportunity to do it. And it is the legendary, most critically acclaimed behind-the-scenes featurette ever made, Hearts of Darkness, the making of Apocalypse Now. Nothing is so terrible as a pretentious movie. I mean, a movie that aspires for something really terrific and doesn't pull it off is shit. It's scum. And everyone will walk on it as such. And that's why poor filmmakers, in a way... That's their greatest horror, is to be pretentious. And I can't wait to explore it. Also, I'm going to do a cycle of the Midnight Movie Maniac. June 24th, me and Ryland are going to go see F9 in the theaters. And we're going to do an episode about it. And then... Trixie? <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Hey, will you stop? I'm almost done. I'm almost done with my radio show. Me, me and Rylan will be divulging our top five favorite movie scenes of all time. You do not want to miss this one, guys. Uh, and so I can't wait to do it, and I can't wait for y'all to listen to it. And uh, so, for Nicole Hines and Rylan Johnson, my name's Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Sal. Bye. If I had money, everything would be okay. But I don't. But I don't. So I'm going to drink my life away. You know what they say. Good things come to those who wait. I'm tired of wait. Well, wine is fine. Hot liquor's hitting quicker on this bar stool. A damn fool never can see the picture of these wasted days, wasted nights. Top is ball fights, polluting my sight with white lying by my life. Rose-colored glasses intoxicate the real. Feel it kill the wills from turning my caps to peel through these blurried visions and hurried missions. I feel the arms stretch out to hold me with forgiving hands of dope addiction. Drowning in whiskey, drowning